right, thank you guys so much. They are so cute. Um, well, this has been a very difficult season. 2020 has been a year, I think we could all agree, and all of us are left wondering, okay, what's next, what's next? But my, my question today for us is, what if God was using the year 2020 to prepare us for something really big. So yet I can't even preach the sermon without us taking a look back at what happened in 2020. This video might elicit some emotions and some memories in you, so take a look with me right now on the screens. in Australia, killing at least 18 people, forcing tens of thousands from their homes. Tonight, Iran keeping their promise to retaliate, launching 15 ballistic missiles at two military bases in Iraq. Reporting that retired Los Angeles Lakers basketball star Kobe Bryant has been killed in a helicopter crash. Right now with what's called murder hornets, reported in the U.S. for the first time. deadly coronavirus officially hitting the U.S. Escalation of coronavirus as global infections surpass one million. Breaking news where in Beijing, where China's parliament has reportedly passed a controversial national security law for Hong Kong. The flu virus found in Chinese pigs has become more infectious to humans. coronavirus. I had forgotten about the Australian wildfires and all those other things, right? And so we have all these feelings, and yet our life and our priority have changed because of it. And guess what? So did our children. Young people today have been impacted in countless ways. And what did all of these things prompt us to do in our spirit? The answer is, uh, we don't really know what to do, right? Information overload. We sit here, and we think, and what do we do when we don't know what to do? Nothing, right? We become stagnant. And this image of stagnation, if you can imagine with me, a stagnant pool of water or a stagnant room, there is no water flow, there is no airflow. What happens? It becomes smelly and gross. You might be thinking, okay, that's not me. I'm anything but stagnant. I've never been busier than ever. Well, I want to make a distinction between being busy and running your kids around and working and job and all those things and knowing what to do next. And so when we don't know what to do, we go back to our basic needs, right? As long as me and my people are good, we're good. We want to avoid pain and bad experiences. We don't want those. I want to do what I want to do now and go where I want to go now that I can. I want to spend my money how I want to spend it. I want to take that vacation I've been waiting for. Finally, I can do it. I want to become who I want to become, and I want to stick to what I know to fulfill those basic human needs. So what if we live the rest of our days just like this, right? We'd live a comfortable, happy life, and then we would die. Is this so bad? Well, I want to offer an alternative today, something that's very counterintuitive. I believe the answer is found in an unlikely place. So we're gonna look at another culture and another time, but with a group of people who were very similar to us today. Let's pray. 
Thank you, God, for your word, that it is timeless, and that it speaks through all generations, and that we can learn from the things long ago that still apply to us today because your spirit is alive and in us. I pray that you would teach us from your word and you would help us to know what to do next and you would get us out of our stuckness. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so how many of us turn to the book of Numbers in the Old Testament when we need a word of advice, right? How many turn to the book of Numbers when you're like, I just need some encouragement today. I'm gonna open to the book of Numbers, right? None of us really do that. Yet Numbers is one of the most instrumental books in the Old Testament. It shows God's people, the Israelites, stuck in the in-between. You see, they had been enslaved in Egypt for 400 years, and they were finally free. Moses had led them through out of the Exodus and into the wilderness, right? But then here they were, wandering around, looking for the promised land. They were not there yet. And their world had been turned completely upside down. In the book of Numbers, the Israelites were facing really challenging times. Identity crisis, finding their purpose. So prior to the Exodus, the Israelites had never even really been a nation. They had began as a family, but when they fell into bondage as these slaves, they were never given the opportunity to be organized into anything, even a community, much less a nation. So they departed Egypt as a barely recognized refugee mob, and here they are in the wilderness. They had to figure life out, and there were millions of them, millions, united in one thing. They didn't know what to do. So Moses and Aaron, their leaders, come alongside them, and they start giving them all these laws and regulations, right? And then they tell them about the temple and bringing offerings to God and, and all these things, and the list goes on and on. Take into consideration, there were conflicts, lots of conflicts, authority questions, wondering about who they could trust as they were making their way across the wilderness towards the promised land. Can you guys even imagine what they were experiencing in this transition and does it sound familiar to us today? I can resonate from the things we watched in, those recap, in the recap video about those exact things. We're waiting in hope for Jesus' return. He has promised to come back, but he's not here yet, so we are right here in the in-between. So just as Moses takes this mob and he provides organizational leadership, and in some senses, Moses, he's really like the godfather of all managers and accountants, police, military, because he gave this structure for how society could be run. And I want to encourage all of us today and the Israelites, if they were listening, God still guides and empowers the ordering, the governing, and the maintaining of our society today. He is in charge. Jeremiah quotes, I know, Lord, that our lives are not our own. We are not able to plan our own course because who's in control? God. He's in control. Wait, wait a minute. Okay. Now you've got my attention. Our lives are not our own. We're not able to plan our own course. So how do we know what to do? Let's look at another option, one that's not our natural response. I want to bring you to a book. Um, Greg Lukianoff and Jonathan Haidt in their book, The Coddling of the American Mind, say this. I don't want you to be safe ideologically. I don't want you to be safe emotionally. I want you to be strong. That's different. 
I'm not going to pave the jungle for you. Put on some boots and learn how to deal with adversity. I'm not going to take all the weights out of the gym. That's the whole point of the gym, and this is the gym. These guys, powerful, they argue that exposure to adversity, those really hard things that come up against us in life that bring us stress, those actually are natural parts of our human emotional development, and that makes us resilient. And I smile right here because I think this world needs a lot more resilient people. And furthermore, they talk about safety parenting. If you can just imagine those two words together, safety parenting deprives children of growth and opportunities to learn from their own risks and their mistakes. We need resilient children. This is a great read for any of us in our we-don't-know-what-to-do-next world. Back to numbers. Right smack in the middle of their wandering, they're navigating through conflict, they're figuring out their identity and how to deal with the adversity on their own. This happens. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, in this way you shall bless the sons of Israel. You are to say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. In this moment, the people received a blessing. You've probably heard this before, that God blesses us in many ways. He blesses us mentally, spiritually, emotionally, even materially in our finances. But right here, this is a blessing with words. So they shall put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them, God promises. Why is this blessing happening right now? The word blessing comes from an ancient practice of weighing coins on a scale to determine value. Blessing someone actually adds value to their life. Aaron was elevating the people to get out of their focus, out of their basic needs. The scales had been tipped, right? All of their basic needs were right here, weighing the scale down, and the people needed to be reminded of who they are. They need to be reminded that the Lord's face shine on them and that they have peace. In order to know what to do next, we have to know who we are. As we develop, we go through stages in our lives that make or break our identity. Eric Erickson, a famous psychologist, calls them social stages. One that I'm particularly interested in because it's my stage is called generativity versus stagnation. So we hit this stage about 35 years and above. Raise your hand in the room or if you're online, put your hand up in the chat. If you're 35 years or older, I see those hands. Come on, don't be shy. I know I only look 27, but I'm with you. I'm with all of you. Generativity. You guys, check this out. Generativity is reaching out to others in ways that give to and guide who? the next generation. Generativity is extending commitment beyond ourself and our partner, outside of our family. Generativity may be realized through mentoring relationships. Let's look at stagnation on the other hand. Stagnation is self-centered, self-indulgent, and self-absorbed. That's how we live our life. Lack of interest in young people. Focus on what one can get from others, not what one can give, and little interest in being productive at work or developing talents. It's just being content, stale with where you're at. Sadly, 
the Israelites did not develop this generativity. They had every opportunity. Moses led them. Aaron blessed them. They had been led by the cloud. They had been led by the fire. They had the Shekinah glory in front of them. And still, you guys, they did not pour God's love out on the next generation. And how do we know this? Well, the entire nation died before entering the promised land. Not one person who left Egypt survived to see. They missed it. Let's look at what the writer of Hebrew declares about this nation. And who was it who rebelled against God, even though they heard his voice? Wasn't it the people Moses led out of Egypt? And who got, made God angry for 40 years? Wasn't it the people who sinned, whose corpses lay in the wilderness? This is really dark. And to whom was God speaking when he took this oath that they would never enter his rest? Wasn't it the people who disobeyed him? So we see that because of their unbelief, they were not able to enter his rest. This could be us. You guys, we could miss out on God's purpose because of our own unbelief, because we fail to pour into the next generation. We don't want to be so focused on ourselves, taking care of our own, that we miss what we are prepared for, adding value to others. So in the New Testament, just as in the Old Testament, they were also going through very uncertain times. Jesus rose from the dead. He left the spirit with his followers, and the world was telling him about him. And this was a very chaotic culture. I want to read with you from Acts chapter 8. And on that day, a great persecution began against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except for the apostles. Some devout men buried Stephen, who had just been stoned for his faith, and mourned loudly for him. But Saul began ravaging the church, entering house after house, and he would drag away men and women and put them in prison. They were scattered. They were suffering. There was a big famine, and they had to endure so much because of their belief in Jesus. The social pressure was enormous. Yet contrary to those Israelites in the wilderness, they made a different choice. They chose to rise up, to live according to their identity, to who God says they were. And because of this, they were relentless in serving and giving to those in need and rescuing babies who were orphaned. They took care of others and not just their own. How do we follow this path and not do as the Israelites did in the book of Numbers, but do as the New Testament believers do in the book of Acts? I believe it takes three things. And the first is commitment. Commitment. Erickson says that generativity is extending commitment beyond yourself, outside of your family. Well, Lauren, I have so much stuff I got to deal with in my own family. I got my own kids. I got my own things. It doesn't matter. You need to go outside of your family and commit. And the next generation right now needs you a lot. Back to the New Testament, that same guy who was persecuting the believers had an experience with Jesus. This guy's also known as Paul. He rose up and he poured himself into others. He was a mentor to Timothy. He mentions Timothy in most of his letters, and I want to read one of them right here. I'm writing to Timothy, my dear son. May God the Father and Jesus Christ our Lord give you grace, mercy, and peace. What a beautiful blessing right there. Timothy, I thank God for you. The God I serve with a clear conscience, just as my ancestors did. Night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. I long to see you again, for I remember your tears as we parted. And I will be filled with joy when we are together again. I remember your genuine faith. 
For you share the same faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know that same faith continues in you as well. And this is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but one of power and love and self-discipline. So Timothy, never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. Paul loved Timothy. He added value to his life. Paul loved him. He knew his mom and his grandma. He spent time with him. He was missing him. He wrote this letter from a prison cell, and he was like, Timothy, I miss you. You guys, he knew Timothy's gifts and his passions. I've chosen to commit my life to serving the next generation. When I was growing up, I had no higher aspiration than being a grocery store clerk where I could scan the food and hear the beeps as it goes across. And then I started serving with my own youth group as I was a high school student. And then in college, I went to UC Irvine and I got involved with Campus Crusade for Christ and it was my, my heart and desire to share Christ with my campus on my college campus. And then one summer while I was in college, there was a summer internship open in children's ministry. I applied. I got to go work for a summer in kids' ministry, which turned into an internship. This month, June 2021, marks 23 ministry, 23 years of me being in ministry full-time. Isn't that amazing, 23 years? I don't even look that old, right? You guys, I am committed my entire life to pouring out to the next generation. This. This takes commitment, it also takes presence. Presence is the power of being with somebody and it is life-giving. It's showing up and it's affirming. It's creating that connection, that positive relational health. When you come to grips, here's a word about presence. When you come to grips with your own messiness and you allow the messiness in your own life to connect with the messiness in somebody else's life, impact happens, healing happens, and brokenness gets mended. We are all wounded healers. Where we have been wounded is where we can turn around and serve. You might be listening now and saying, I am not qualified for this. I can't be a mentor. I can't even figure my life out. I have a past. Who cares? You are more than qualified. This is Robert and Jana. They started out as church attenders who just came, sat, and left. They were stale in coming and going. Then they felt compelled to get involved. It has now been over 16 years that Jana has served with the babies and Robert has served with the two-year-olds. They will share with any one of you guys that they are more filled, they are more connected, and they are more complete because of serving and giving back. This is Vince. He has been serving in elementary for four years. His past life was not following Jesus. He chose to invest his time and energy into the things of this world and left him empty. He has chosen to commit his life to elementary kids right now because he wants them to grow up as Christ followers and not make the same mistakes that he did. This is Evan. He is a seventh grade boy's life leader because he knows how important the middle school years are, that these kids need help making decisions in the most formative years of their life. This is Aiden. He has served the last two years in junior high because this is the time when he got serious in his faith. Now he wants to get back to the ministry that helped him grow. This is Damien. He's only one of the few people in his family who love God. 
He starts his workday at 4 a.m. So he sacrifices sleep because he has to stay all the way through high school ministry, which is at Tuesday nights. So he sacrifices his sleep and energy to serve these high school students. This is Chad. Chad lost his wife a few years ago and has a huge heart for leading high school students closer to Christ. You guys, in his brokenness, he connects. He was even in obedient and quitting his job in order that he would have one that helped him bring more people closer to Jesus. Each of these people would say, I'm not qualified if you knew, if I was really honest, you guys, but God is using each one of them in their mess to be present. They are showing up and it's making a difference. John writes, I could have no greater joy than to hear that my children are following the truth. Don't you want this joy to see kids following the truth today? The next generation needs us now in person, physically present. COVID has brought this to our full attention. Sign up today, literally right now is your opportunity. There is no excuse because we have Sunday mornings with kids, birth through fifth graders. We have Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights with junior hires. We have Tuesday nights with high schoolers. We have Thursday nights with college and young adult. And VBS is coming, as you heard, with first through fifth graders, June 28th through 30th. In fact, today you can sign up or get more information about VBS by walking straight out those doors after service up the stairs and we have people at a table who will answer your questions and help you sign up and you can stay for our training today at 1230 and have a hot dog. You guys, it couldn't be easier. Go to crossroadschurch.family and click I want to serve. All of those opportunities are listed for you. Be another George and Cindy that you saw in that video today. Be present. We will come alongside you. We will train you. We will pair you up with a veteran so you don't feel like you're out on your own. Okay, you might be thinking, pouring out and giving my time is exhausting. I challenge you to talk to anybody that serves. Ask them, are you more filled or are you more depleted after you serve? I can guarantee what their response will be. I personally get more than I give because I pour out to the next generation. Here are a few of my favorites. Kids at the end of each month sharing their memory verse, and then I get to hear them tell it to their parents. When I offer the invitation for kids to accept Jesus, and they pray the prayer, and they say, I didn't know I could pray a prayer like that. I thought I could only pray before my food, right? Giving them that opportunity. When kids come up to me and they say, oh, I liked your stories, I liked your video, when they comment on that, it just fills my heart. And right now I'm with preschoolers a lot, and you guys, they can recount the Bible story and what it means. Their capacity to learn is ginormous. Every week is filling when you pour out. The math doesn't add up. Be committed, be present, and speak life. Speaking life means speaking faith-filled words, words that build, that are fruitful. Don't hold back from saying what you see in young people today. You guys, our choice of words often has more power than we realize. When Aaron spoke that blessing in Numbers chapter six, that God will keep you, that he'll be gracious to you and give you peace, 
Our words can keep another person. They can uphold, they can reassure and support. Our words can be full of grace, making the situation way better than it would have been had we not done that. Our words can be bring to light the things that we see that we wanna call out in them, whether good or need to improve. We can help them. You guys, I was struggling in my own identity when I was in my 20s. I was single for a really long time. And people would say, what's wrong with you? And I actually began to wonder, what's wrong with me? God, am I not faithful? Have I not done what you've asked? Why am I still single? It got to my head, I called my mom. And I said, mom, I am struggling with my identity. You know what my mom did for me in that moment? She said, girl, let me tell you who you are. Actually, she didn't say that. She said, let me tell you who you are. And she started listing out who I was. Not just the outside, but the inside. She listed out over 30 things about who I was, who God created to me. She spoke life into my soul in a time that I needed it, and I have that list now that I reference over and over. Paul did the same thing for Timothy. He added this value over and over. He said, you have heard me teach these things that have been confirmed by reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other people who will be able to pass them on to others. You guys, our young people today, our next generation, are already passing it on. We have young kids and students already serving now in our own ministries to pass it on to the next generation. So who needs this blessing? Who needs it? You guys, 2020, our kids need it. Our young people need it. They need life on life. If we don't speak up in their life, they will have influences from everywhere else filling in those blanks where our voice can be heard. Anyone can give the blessing. I believe if you are sitting here today, if you are listening online, God has a word for you, a purpose for you, and that is to step up out of your here, out of your I don't know what to do, out of your I just want to just hang here for a bit. He's saying go outside your comfort zone, be generous, and pour into the next generation. Imagine with me a world where all of our young people were valued and mentored. Our anxiety and suicide rates would go down. Imagine our entire church saying, yes, I'm going to pour out, and in 20 years, we are going to see their children pass it to their children to their children. To close, I want to invite Malachi to bless you by the power of Jesus. The same words that Aaron spoke to the struggling nation, to the Israelites, Malachi is going to speak for you today. And these words, I want you to drink them in. I want you to soak them in. They are for you. They are to speak life to you. And after he speaks this blessing, we're going to sing the blessing. And I cannot wait because there is a section in this song you don't want to miss where we pass it on to the next generation. So... Let's bless you, go ahead. The Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. Lord, turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen. You guys, he is for you. He is committed to you. He speaks life into you. He is present with you. Yet some of you today are like those Israelites wandering. You have some unbelief. 
You have not chosen today to accept Jesus. You have not chosen to have that relationship and you can't even think about pouring out to the next generation because you don't got anything inside you. Jesus is for you, he is calling you, and he is calling you today to turn to him. He is asking you to say yes, yes, because his answer to you is yes. He loves you so much. Jesus came, he sacrificed himself, he died on the cross for all of your unbelief, for all of your sins and your failures and those things from your past that make you disqualified. He has suffered and he has died and those things are on the cross and they are gone. They are forgiven. And right now, if you would like to say yes to Jesus, I'm gonna say a prayer in a moment. And this prayer, there's no fanciness to the words. It's just a heart response to say, Jesus, I need you. I need you. I want to say yes to you. I want to accept your commitment and your presence. He is speaking over you right now. He is saying all the positive things because his grace is for you. And if you want to pray this prayer, I'm going to ask you after we pray to do something very bold. And that's to actually come forward as we sing. And come forward and make your decision known. And we're gonna walk you into our living room. We're not gonna keep you long. We're just gonna give you a Bible and meet with you for a moment. But this is your chance to declare, I believe I'm going to get rid of my unbelief because I want the promise that he has for me to come. And if you know Jesus, if you have a relationship with him, I'm gonna ask you to pray. And I'm gonna ask you to pray that the spirit would fill you so that you could empower the next generation because now is your opportunity to pour out and to give back. So let's go to prayer right now. As we bow our heads and we come before you today, Jesus, we thank you, we are humble. I am humble to stand on the stage with these amazing performers and singers who love you so much and who are doing this because of the gifts that you have given them. And in our humility, Lord, for those of us who know you, we ask that you would fill us today. We ask that your spirit would empower us, that we could speak forth life, that we could come and be committed and be in this next generation in a way that was never possible before, but now it is possible. So fill us, Jesus, give us your life, help us to spring forth and make new steps so that we can declare your praises and pour into your children. And for those of you who wanna say yes to Jesus, this is your opportunity. Pray these words with me. Jesus, I need you. I am sorry for my unbelief. I am sorry for all those terrible decisions that I made that have kept me from a right relationship with you. I am sorry for my past failures, my indecision, my apathy, and my choices into things in this world. I ask that you would forgive everything. Wipe it clean. Thank you for your blood that was shed for me on the cross. I accept you into my heart and life. I say yes to you, Jesus. Make me new. Make me the person you want me to be. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen if you prayed that prayer. 
Wow, praise God if you said that prayer. That is so powerful. Most important prayer you will ever say right there. So thank you so much. If you said that prayer, we would love to connect with you. Go to crossroadschurch.family and fill out that link. We're not gonna bug you. We're not gonna come to your house. We really just wanna walk alongside of you, make sure that you have all the necessary tools that you need. We can pray with you, give you some next steps to take as well. So go to crossroadschurch.family if you said that prayer. Yes, and if it's Mother's Day and you would like to pray with our elders for either a loss you've experienced or the hope to have a child someday, also go to crossroadschurch.family and click on that Zoom link right now. Yeah, you can pray with our elders today. That's incredible. If you're looking for your next step, if you're not sure what's going on and what you need to do to grow in your faith, you can also go to crossroadschurch.family and click on the link that says next steps. We'll be able to walk you through what your next step looks like, be able to plug you into the church so you can serve, join a life group, maybe even get baptized. Like Pastor Chuck was talking about making it public. So head to crossroadschurch.family right now. Yes, and thank you guys so much for watching and see you guys next week.